You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. We're doing a little something different uh, today. Johnny has been uh, setting up some new equipment here in the studio, and so hopefully everyone hears the sound of my voice right now. And if you do, and then you're in the chat room, why not, you know, Give me a little shout out and say, yep, I hear your voice, Professor, so we can know that Johnny's good work here has all been for the best. Otherwise, I'm going to assume you can hear me and just continue on. Well, we have had a fine week here in Texas. 
The temperature continues to dip and dip and dip and dip. Still pretty warm in the days. For some of you all who aren't used to Texas weather, we still have some low 90s. But uh, last night, it got down to 60 degrees here at my house. And what a comfort and a joy that was. The uh, leaves haven't quite started uh, to turn yet. But, uh, you know, the fall is finally falling, as it were. Before we get on with the show, I wanted to take a few moments and mention that today is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And uh, they do this day every year, and they ask that those of you who stand in solidarity or those of you who have had the great and awful experience of of losing a child in infancy or having a pregnancy be lost, that you join with them this evening in what they call the wave of light. And the wave of light is that uh, each year on this day, they ask everyone to just light a candle. And it just so happens that the general time period that they ask for the lighting of those candles coincides with our show. And so I thought I would let everyone know that today is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Day. Um, I myself have lost a child, and uh, my candle will be set this evening in remembrance of him. So, that out of the way, we're going to have a hot time in the old studio tonight. We've got uh, Johnny's here watching all the bars. Miss Loretta is off in another sound booth ready to do her new cooking spot. We're going to have the news. And Count Goulash is back this week. So you'll all be very pleased and happy to know that. But right now, what we're going to do, if I get the thumbs up, we're ready? Okay, great. We're going to be going over to the LMC Radio Newsroom, where our own Chet Brink is waiting to give us all that information. Take it away, Johnny. Good evening. This is Chuck Brink reading the news. Today is Thursday, October 15th, the 288th day of 2015. There are 68 days until winter begins and 77 days left in the year. Today is an auspicious day to cut firewood, cut hair to increase growth, mow to increase growth, dig holes, go hunting, or wax floors. Tomorrow will be an auspicious day to cut firewood, mow to increase growth, castrate farm animals, dig holes, wean yearlings and babies, go hunting, potty train children, wash windows, 
advertised to sell and travel for pleasure. Today through the 17th are fine days to do clearing and plowing, but no planting. The 18th through the 19th is a time to plant tomatoes, peas, beans, and other above-ground crops indoors in the north and outdoors in the lower south. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1969, when peace demonstrators staged activities across the country, including a candlelight march around the White House as a part of a moratorium against the Vietnam War. Also on this date in 1860, 11-year-old Grace Bedell of Westfield, New York, wrote a letter to presidential candidate Abraham Lincoln suggesting he could improve his appearance by growing a beard. In 1917, Dutch dancer Matahari, convicted of spying for the Germans, was executed by a French firing squad outside of Paris. In 1946, Nazi war criminal Hermann Göring fatally poisoned himself hours before he was to have been executed. In 1951, the situation comedy I Love Lucy premiered on CBS. In 1964, it was announced that Soviet leader Nikita S. Khrushchev had been removed from office. And finally, in 1990, South African Separate Amenities Act, which had barred blacks from public facilities for decades, was scrapped. Our LMC birthday greetings go out this day to former auto executive Lee Iacocca, who is 91, jazz musician Freddie Cole, 84, singer Barry Maguire, 78, Actress-director Penny Marshall is 72. Singer-musician Richard Carpenter, 69. Former tennis player Roscoe Tanner, 64. Singer Tito Jackson, 62. Actress Tanya Roberts, 60. Chef Emerald Lagasse, bam, is 56. Rock musician Mark Resnick, 53. Actor Chris Levero, 36, and actress Bailey Madison is 16. Our thought for today comes from Greek philosopher Aristotle, born 384 BCE, died 322 BCE, who said, a friend to all is a friend to none. This has been the news from the LMC Radio News Desk, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trunk in goo for dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's you in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. 
yes, and you know, just like the Nicholas Brothers say, someday it may rain, and so it's nice to have a little something set away. So we are going to bring you once again this week's lucky numbers, and they come to us, as always, from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and give it a look? And I have to take a moment to tell you that the numbers this week are particularly hot and auspicious. You know, like the old saying, they came to me in a dream. I'm telling you, they did. And they are 11, T3, 27, 33, 34, and 50. Once again, those numbers are 11, 23, 27, 33, 34, and 50. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 272, that's 272, 343, that's 343, and 984, that's 984. And those numbers are hot. Hot card of the week for the coming week is the Four of Clubs. The Stranger's Bed, travel for work or business, sleeping alone. This week may bring unexpected travel, possibly for work or business, but also may bring a trip to see old friends. However, be careful. Possible threats to housing do loom. And be sure to not get into petty arguments with your spouse, mate, or lover, or you may indeed end up sleeping alone. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the lucky numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next... Our new segment, we had it last week, and now it continues on, Cooking with Miss Loretta Evans. Coming up now. So again, 
this week I'm going to have a little recipe for you that you can do in your own crock pot at home. So take it off the shelf, dust it off, and get ready. Tonight we're going to be making chocolate cherry crock pot cake. That's right, you can even make a cake in your crock pot. For this, you're going to need the following ingredients. One 18 and a quarter ounce package of chocolate cake mix. You can just get your favorite chocolate cake mix right at the grocery store. One cup of sour cream. One half a cup of vegetable oil. One cup of water. Four eggs, any size will do. One five to six ounce package of instant chalk pudding mix. Again, just use your favorite. One 12 ounce bag of milk chocolate chips. One cup of Bing cherries chopped with the pits removed. And then if you like, for later, you can have ice cream or whipped cream to top it, but that will be after it's done. To cook this very easy and delicious cake, what you will do is start by generously spraying the inside of your crock pot with a cooking spray to make sure that nothing sticks. Then, in a large mixing bowl, mix together the cake mix, sour cream, vegetable oil, water, and eggs with a handheld mixer until just barely combined. Stir in the pudding mix and the chocolate chips with a spoon. Once that's all done, you just pour the mixture into your prepared cock pot. Sprinkle with cherries on top and cook on high for four hours. And then when it's done, you can serve that with your ice cream or whipped cream. Now, isn't that easy and simple? Put it in your crock pot for four hours on high and walk away. And when you come home or later on in the day after the kids come in or people come home from work, you've got a delicious chocolate cherry crock pot cake. Well, y'all, I thank you for listening. This has been Miss Loretta Evans from the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church with The Cooking Spot. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Miss Loretta. I, I didn't know you could make a cake in a crock pot. I, I had no clue. Last week, I didn't know you could make baked potatoes in a crock pot. This week, we're making cakes in a crock pot. I got no clue what we're going to have next week, folks. She's probably going to be telling us how to make ice cream in a crock I have no clue, but it, I do kind of wish I had some of that. It sounds pretty good, actually. Chocolate and cherries, that, that sounds pretty good. I, I mean, I, I like both of those. So anyway, thank you, Miss Loretta, for the new... Uh, recipe, uh, chocolate, chocolate chips, cherries. I had no eye four hours. Who knew? Anyway, up next, the professor's pontification is coming up. It's high time that you kind of just stop what's going on.
something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I've got to beware Take your time with stop children What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and they're carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going I mean, both just crossed the ribbon right at the same, boom, at the same time. So our winners on our Name It and Claim It this evening for that song are Catherine Ironwood and Gabrielle Swain, who both know that song because they were there. They were there. Tonight on the pontification, we're going to be talking about stop. What's that sound? Or, if you don't get with history, you get left behind. I've talked a little bit about this before. But as I told you next week, or last week, I should say, oh, as I told you next week, well, we do a little divination on the show, and maybe we'll do that someday. Maybe we'll pontificate what we're going to pontificate. We'll set out cards and just take a look at it. As I told you last week, this series of pontifications, which is our third set of pontifications, now began to expand into the bigger world. And you, as either a practitioner of Hoodoo and Conjure or an up-and-coming practitioner of Hoodoo and Conjure or a student 
of the same or a client of the same now starting to have to deal with this much bigger experience that we are all a part of here. That's why last week we talked about environmentalism. And we've talked a little bit on the show about social ills, certainly when they come up. We've talked a little bit about systemic racism, without a question. And right now we are at, although it certainly doesn't feel like we're at the beginning, we are at the beginning of the political season. It feels like it's already been going on way too long, and by the time it's over, we'll all be exhausted of it. And I want to say, before I get any further into this, I am not engaging in any sort of endorsements in this pontification or on this show. I have my own beliefs. I have those people I think are potentially good candidates, but here in America, it is your right to have your own opinion on that and to vote as your conscience and as your hopefully your intelligence guides you. So this is not going to become some sort of big, long bash against any particular party or candidate or anything of that nature. What this instead is is a call to action. Now, right about now, and we touched on this a little bit last week, there are some folks who are getting pretty goddamn tired of the sound of my voice because I come up here and I say, hey, you got to know about this, you got to know about that, you got to do this, you got to do all that, and it's tiring. It feels like a wall, a mountain. How do I get over that? Well, let me address that quickly. There are some folks, as we've talked about, who just come into Hoodoo and Conjure because, for one reason or another, don't ask me why, they see it as a little way to make a buck. Some of them think, well, maybe I can make a lot of bucks. Some of them say, well, it's better than doing what I'm doing, you know, pumping gas at the gas station. But for them, it is a money-making avenue. That's what they're here for. I have some problems with that, but to each their own. And certainly, there is that incredibly flawed American dream. And I do not scorn anyone for having success. I I don't think there's a, a crime in making money. I think there might be a crime in how you make money. I think there might be a crime in what you do or how you present or what you do with that money. But I don't think that having money is a terrible thing. And to each their own. Everybody has different levels of need. I think it's a good and wise and thoughtful idea to examine what your needs are. Do you really need mink coat, Rolex watch, fancy car? Does you really need to be in that rat race like that? Or are you simply looking to have money to do and take care of your actual needs? And maybe a little comfort. There's no sin 
in having things that you enjoy, of being able to send your children to school, of having a good pair of shoes. There's there's no sin in that, as long as you don't kind of get lost in it. So those people are here in Hoodoo and Conjure for that reason. They're just here to make money. And if you're one of those people, there's not much I can do for you. I mean, obviously, I get it. You're going to tune in each week, and you're going to basically just kind of, you know, put the mute on until the secrets of biblical sorcery come on or until the in the kitchen section comes on, and then you're going to scribble down whatever and, you know, say that your great-grandma taught you that, and it's going to be great, and you can bottle it up and sell it. Okay, cool. Well, you know, hey, if that helped you out, and if you were able to pay your bills or feed your kids, then, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad, honestly. If you're there to use that to cheat people and lie and connive, well, screw you for, you know, using me and my elders and all of our work to promote fraudulent behavior. And uh, the bill will come due someday. But for those who are here to practice hoodoo, and obviously, yes, to make some money, we all have bills. But they are here to promote the practice, to be a part of it, to engage in it and its culture, then yeah, you're stuck with this big pile of work. Education, learning, reaching out, talking to people, learning about this and that, knowing your ass from a hole in the ground, knowing shit from Shinola. You're stuck with it. And should be back. It's all power, baby. I mean, it's all power. Seriously. The more you know, the cleaner you are. The more ethically you behave and treat others does come around. Am I talking about karma? No, I'm talking about the simple attitude of how you do is where you end up. Okay? And, you know, that's a good thing. And so what does that have to do? with that dirty word, politics. Well, it means you're involved. You see, hoodoo has always been there to help people out. It's not there to count all the stars in the heaven, and that's not necessarily a bad endeavor. It's not there to advance a new theoretical science to discover, oh, anything. I don't know how plasma behaves, the cure for cancer. And again, not that those are bad things. It's also not there to promote a particular religion in the sense that it is not a church. There are no hoodoo pope. There's no you know collection of hoodoo cardinals sitting around. There are no papal conjure bulls that get issued. There's no litany. Hoodoo's not there to promote that. Hoodoo is there to help out primarily the common and somewhat or vastly oppressed. That's it. It's there for love, luck, money, which isn't necessarily luck, Prosperity, which isn't necessarily money, a good job to be treated right, to not have the cops on you, 
to get shit off you that somebody else put on you to help establish you in a good relationship with your kin, living and dead, to keep your house clean, to keep your bills paid, to basically ease the road ahead of you. When clients come to me, I tell them a couple of standard things. And one of the standard things I tell my clients is that first you go to the lawyer, the doctor, and the cop. And when they can do nothing or will do nothing, that's when you then go to the root doctor, the hoodoo doctor, the conjure person. Because that's why it's there. Call me up and you say, oh, Professor Porterfield, I need a reading. I need a reading right now. Okay, what do you need a reading on? Well, I taste copper and my left arm is numb. And it kind of feels like an elephant sitting on my chest. You don't need a reading. You need an ambulance. Uh, Professor Porterfield, I need I need a mojo bag. Why do you need a mojo bag? Well, my neighbor's fence has fallen into my yard, and I can't get them to take care of it, and this, that, and the other thing, and you know, whatever. Oh, are you currently doing the law work? No, no, we're not. We're not in court yet. Well, first you need to take care of that. Professor Porterfield, I need you to do a bottle spell for me. Why? Well, I need it right now. Can you ship it overnight? Why? Well, somebody's trying to break in my door screaming about how they're going to kill me. You, okay, no, you don't need a bottle spell. You, you, you need the police. So the point of this somewhat rambling discourse is that hoodoo is there to aid primarily the common everyday guy. Am I saying that millionaires, movie stars don't need hoodoo? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not here to exclude. I'm not here to say who can or can't. But I'm kind of saying that it's not much use. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, some of them do, some of them don't. But in general, if you're a billionaire, you probably don't need a mojo bag. You probably don't need any law keep-away work. You probably have a whole bunch of lawyers and security guards to engage in your law keep-away work. So this idea that hoodoo is there for the average schmo, and particularly the oppressed guy and gal out there, then tells you that there must be a political component to it. There must be. You see, you can't seal yourself off from the world. You can. Oh, you totally can. You can go live in a tent in the woods, in the Vermont wilderness, and never come in and never talk to people and have no radio. And yeah, you know, that's fine. Go if you want to do that. But most of us can't do that. Most of us have relationships. We have progeny, we have children, we have grandchildren, we have mothers and fathers. We exist in the context of our families and our people. And politics rules over all. Now, there are a lot of people who are very cynical who say, oh, it's all one big game. One side's as bad as the other side. You can't trust any of them. And that's why I don't vote because it's a revolutionary act to not vote. Look, let me make something clear to you. Not voting, not participating, 
even if the system is completely gamed, is not a revolutionary act. It is not an act of resistance. It's an act of acceptance. It is an act of compliance. You're saying, I just don't give a shit. Now, you may have caught the common theme right now. Common theme is, last week we talked about how not being involved with the environment and what's going on with it is tantamount to saying, I don't give a shit what happens to everybody. Fuck them. Burn the house down. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a crap. And I, by the way, let me interrupt myself really quickly to say I got a very lovely letter this week. And I, I thank the sender of that letter, and I, I am somewhat sorry for all the F-bombs. And I'm actually trying to watch it this week. It's still going to happen, but I'm trying. Okay, I'm not trying. I'm trying. And hey, but thank you for the letter. It was a very sweet and wonderful letter, and I really do appreciate it. And I'll, I'll try to not disturb you as you drift off with all that, that word. But it does come down to that, that if you are not participating, you're not being revolutionary. What the hell is that? What kind of revolution is that? Here's what we're going to do about the, the czar. We're just going to stick it to the czar by not storming the Winter Palace. That'll teach him. Oh, yeah. We're going to stay home. We're going to stay home in our cots and not, yeah, yeah, buddy. We're going to harvest the wheat and send it on into Moscow and St. Petersburg. That'll teach that old czar. Yeah, he won't see that one coming. Doing nothing is not revolutionary. Doing nothing is not resistance. Now, by the same token, I'm not saying burn, baby, burn either. Okay? What I'm saying is that you'd have to stop and look around and see what's going on and see what's being said. And a lot of you have students. And by students, I mean that you are in an initiatory tradition. You are in a position where people are coming to you and they, you are their specific elder. I'm not talking about you're teaching a class or you go someplace and, and deliver speeches or you have some crazy radio show and you do pontifications. I'm talking about you actually have students and you are their elder, you are their, their father, their mother, whatever in the tradition, and they come to you for wisdom and guidance. You, therefore, have to be wise and guiding. And you cannot be wise and guiding if all you have are 600 or 6,000-year-old parables about what turtles do when you catch them and turn them upside down or what happens with antelope or gazelle or a tiger that is in the whatever, okay, or just telling them about things about love life or how to take care of themselves, et cetera, et cetera. You also have to be aware of what's going on in the world that they and you live in. Now, that doesn't mean I'm saying you're going to tell them how to vote. In fact, I would rail against you at any moment of any day if you took it upon yourself, as many Christian churches, some Catholic churches, primarily Protestant churches, are now doing. 
But you see, you have to know about that. You have to realize that there are people out there right now sitting behind pulpits saying, if you don't vote this way, you're going to go to hell. If you don't vote that way, you're going to go to hell. God doesn't love you if you don't do this. Jesus will reject you if you don't do that. We won't give you communion if you believe in this social change. To me, that is a frightening, terrifying. It's not just a damn shame. It's fucking terrifying. Because the way I was brought up, those two things aren't supposed to mix. That doesn't mean churches can't talk about social injustices. It means that what we have there is a theocracy. I'm going to tell you how you're supposed to vote based off of the conversation I had privately in my bedroom last night with God. Trust me, he actually talked to me, and he gave me this, these lovely cufflinks. That's that's some serious bullshit, is what that is. But that's going on. Now, has it always gone on to some extent? Yes. But it has grown and grown and grown since the 80s. It has become part and parcel. And you're a spiritual practitioner. You have to be aware of that. You have to see that that's going on. Look, if you're in the business of helping people out, and people are getting ground under because of what's going on with the power structure, you have to understand that because that's part of what you're fighting against to help them. Now, I suppose you could be a completely evil son of a bitch, and you could be sitting at home right now saying, hey, man, if the, you know, if these particular people win, they'll fuck everybody over and there'll be no jobs and everybody will be kind of screwed and they'll need a lot of hoodoo work. Yeah, that's good for me. And I suppose there's a kind of wicked science that makes that equation work. And if that's who you want to be, do me a favor and don't come around me. Do your trip, but don't come around me my family or my house just skedaddle scram be gone if you don't understand as an example what's going on with the current state of law enforcement in this country how can you understand what your clients are going to be going through when they call you for protection are you just going to offer them protection against people throwing jinxes and curses on them? Are you just going to say, well, the only thing you're ever going to encounter that you need protection from is spiritual boogums, so I'm going to give you the spiritual boogum spray. It comes in a beautiful 16-ounce bottle. They are going to face other kinds of oppression and dangers that they need protection from. So you better get ready to start learning to do to protect your clients from out-of-control policemen. I'm not talking about policemen that maybe are doing their job correctly. I'm talking about some out-of-control sons of bitches. And we've got some out-of-control sons of bitches out there killing 12-year-old kids and doing all sorts of heinous bullshit. Okay? And you've got to know about that. You have to be involved. Again, I'm not telling you, you have to be in this political party. You have to vote for those people. 
you need to take this position. I'm telling you, you have to be aware, involved, and educated. You have to stop and see what's that sound and look what's going down. You cannot be the metaphoric ostrich who sticks your head in the sand. And I don't see him in here, so I'm going to jump to it before he gets in. I actually kind of put a chair against the door today. And what does that have to do with hoodoo? Well, I'll tell you what that has to do with hoodoo in case somehow you missed it. This is part and parcel of hoodoo. This is part and parcel of the roots, no pun intended, of hoodoo, of conjure. This isn't just all about, well, get a silver dime and a cat's tooth and this herb and wrap it up in a red kerchief and tie it around with a white cloth and stick it in your pocket and, you know, you'll be, you can go out and you'll meet a girl or whatever. That's not what this is about. This is about something far larger. This is about a time and a place when people had their homes destroyed, their families separated, their jobs jeopardized, their personal safety jeopardized, okay? their prosperity challenged, their rights to walk down the goddamn street in certain places and certain times of day curtailed, where they could eat, what they could do, what they could own. And whether you believe it or not, it's still happening. Who gets loans from banks and who doesn't? Who does this and who doesn't that? Who gets shot at first and who doesn't? Who, by their mere existence, draws people to political candidates when those political candidates say, we're going to round all these people up and we're going to get them out of the country. We're going to do something. We're going to round up all these people. How many people are there? Well, so there are about 11 million of them. We're going to round up these 11 million people and we're going to get them out. We're going to do something with them. Listen, in case you're a little confused here, let me tell you that when I hear anybody stand the fuck up at a public platform and say, we're going to round up, quote, round up X million people and send them someplace, my Jewish blood runs fucking cold. Okay, I know that tune. I know that tune. I know how that song fucking goes. When these people start saying, our nation is the greatest nation, we are the pure people, our nation was conceived by God alone, we are correct, we are right, those who disagree will be dealt with, those who do not belong will be rounded up, I know how that tune goes. Here, I'll hum it for you. Okay? No. Uh-uh. Not me. No. Ah, I'm skipping. Bye-bye. Oh, no, 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 no. Not going to catch me in that. No, that's some bullshit. And if you think for a heartbeat that you're conjure-practicing, hoodoo-working, root-finding, client-helping ass is going to be skipped over, and all of these people who say that kind of shit are going to say, hey, it's cool. No, no, we're totally cool with uh, people doing um, African-American root work, conjure, uh, gambling work, uh, magic that, you know, isn't done in the church. The, you know, no, no, you're fine. You're crazy. 
You're crazy. You're crazy. Oh, and by the way, our name it and claim it on our humming section this week is, of course, Catherine Ironwood, who correctly identified the hum tune as Deutschland über alles. I can't tell you how much it hurts my heart that she wins that name it and claim it. So you have to be involved in politics. You have to get out and vote. You have to encourage others to vote. And again, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm saying encourage them to participate. You are, whether you like it or not, as a spiritual practitioner, you are also a community leader. And if you listen to the lies, to the deceptions, to the apathy, to the bullshit, and sit down and do nothing. And as a spiritual person, a person who people come to for spiritual guidance, common sense, which ain't all that goddamn common, apparently, and help, and you do nothing about the bigger world, (laughs) well, baby, you know what? Then you, you are only a pawn in their game. A bullet from the back of a bush took Medgar Evers' blood. A finger fired the trigger to his name. A handle hit out in the dark. A hand set the spark. Two eyes took the aim behind a man's brain. But he can't be blamed. He's only a pawn in their game. The South politician preaches to the poor white man. You got more than the blacks don't complain. You're better than them. You've been born with white skin, they explain. And the Negro's name is used, it is plain For the politician's gain As he rises to fame And the poor white remains On the caboose of the train But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn in our game The deputy sheriffs, the soldiers, the governors get paid And the marshals and cops get the same But the poor white man's used in the hands of them all like a tool He's taught in his school From the start by the rule That the laws are with him To protect his white skin To keep up his heat So he never thinks straight About the shape that he's in But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn in their game From the poverty shacks He looks from the cracks to the tracks And the hoofbeats pound in his brain And he's told how to walk in a pack Shoot in the back with his fist in a clinch 
to hide neath the hood To kill with no pain Like a dog on a chain He ain't got no name But it ain't him to blame He's only a pawn in our game Today Medgar Evers was buried from the bullet he caught They lowered him down as a king But when the shadowy sun Sets on the one that fired the gun You'll see by his grave On the stone that remains Carved next to his name His epitaph plain Only a pawn in our game That was, of course, Bob Dylan with only a pawn in their game. The name and claimant winner on that one is Miss Catherine Ironwood. You all need to start trying harder. She's she's going to be drowned in these. I mean, you know, if I actually gave out a little like, you know, a little a little anything, a matchbox, she could make a fort out of them. You you all you all got to get in the game. You got to get your head in the game. But that was just Bob and all of us trying to do our part by, well, you know, sending out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Kajaman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kyra Mond, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Owlhead, Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, and a very popular figure around the studio. And speaking of popular figures around the studio, ladies and gentlemen, back from his fabulous time at the Houston Television Show Hosts Convention, the one, the only, the incomparable... Baron, excuse me, Count Goulash. Count Goulash, forgive me. Take it away, sir. Oh, this is Count Goulash here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company. Yes, oh, yes. The Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. 
Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who is that to say it is the Rocky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California? Why not venture out into the darkness and see them yourself? Go and see the train set. Bring the kiddies. They'll love it. And watch the trains go around and around and around and around, leading you deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep until only the sound of my voice can be heard. And then go over and visit the world's smallest church, that's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation within, and then step out and go right inside the Lucky Mojo Curio Company and browse the aisles where you'll see thousands of products from all over the world. But if you can't make it yourself, the fear of the night is upon you. Don't worry. You can see all the things that they have by visiting them online at www.luckymojo.com and sit and go through all of the beautiful products and order them for yourself. From whom? Why, I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at www.luckymojo.com. Tell them that Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> that, I, how can, you know, it's so hard to follow him. I mean, he's a powerhouse. You know, I mean, it's just like, it's like, Lenny Bruce being put on after Vera Lynn. What the? And, and now here's a song for all the brave boys that died at Dunkirk. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the comedy stylings of Mr. Lenny. I just, I just don't. Whew! He's, 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 he's colossal. He's huge. Up next, a little segment of the show I like to call. That's right. The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, we're going to be talking about biblical talismans. That's right. It's, uh, you know, kind of like charms. You know, charms that you might have that you say to yourself, could this be magic? Could this be
have my fun every week, and uh, I, I, I stumped you. I stumped you. However, let's give out partial credits where partial credits are due. Papa Newt was the first to name the song, and it is, in fact, Could This Be Magic? Then, of course, uh, we had a lot of very salient and correct suggestions from Miss Catherine Ironwood. Unfortunately, none was the absolutely correct answer. And we had a lot of very hysterical suggestions from Troll Talhead. No, it was not the Alstations or the four abracadabras. It was, in fact, Otis Williams and his charms. Otis Williams and his charms with <laughs> magic. And Otis Williams and his charms leads us into tonight's Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, where we're going to be talking about Bible talismans, amulets, and charms. Now, now, this is a huge topic, and quite frankly, um, it probably could be better talked about on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour on every Sunday. Check it out, because it covers so much ground. And I'm not going to try to cover the entire topic. I'm going to try to cover the topic within America and within hoodoo and conjure and the admixture context of that. Biblical talismans go back well, as early as there is a Bible, and certainly what we see as uh, talismanic objects in Christianity – go back to the moment of Christ's crucifixion, when uh, blood from the crucifixion, bits of the cross, thorns from the crown of thorns were all supposedly gathered by different individuals and used because of their extreme magical potency. And when we talk about biblical talismans, you must understand that uh, a saint medal as an example, would be a biblical talisman, as would any of the objects of veneration that you might get to see in churches, primarily in the old world, that are comprised of bits or pieces of the body of a saint that are often encased in very sort of regal uh, housings gold and silver filigree gems and beautiful glass or imperishable crystal. And so all of these things do, in fact, fall under that heading. You must also understand that the Bible itself is a biblical talisman, and it itself is seen as being effective, efficient, and lucky to carry with you. And, of course, we have all the tales of a Bible stopping a bullet, and a Bible being something good to carry on you, that it protects you at night, that it can drive away evil or demonic forces by its mere presence. So certainly the Bible would be primary biblical talisman, the book itself. Then to a lesser degree, parts of the Bible would be, if particularly if they're carried, would be biblical talismans. So the book of Psalms, uh, Tehillim, or other things of this nature would be considered, again, 
a talismanic object. It's magical itself. And we've talked about that a little bit on the show before. So here's where we start. We've got the Bible itself. Then we've got portions of the Bible itself. Pieces of scripture written out could be carried on an individual or placed inside of some sort of a holder worn as jewelry. There are many sorts of necklaces that you can find that unscrew or have a little back to them, cameos, lockets, and other things. There are even rings that open or have a space that you can enclose a exterior object. And so here you could be putting in uh, a piece of scripture that you've written out or had written out or purchased and is folded up into very tiny uh, you know, just fold and fold and fold, little, 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 and then you just put it in there and you carry it on you, on your hand, around your neck, near your heart, etc. We also then have, uh, within the Judaic tradition, which you have seen blend over into hoodoo, uh, a mizpah. And a mizpah is known as a watchtower. And a mizpah, it looks like a little coin, so I want you to imagine a roundish coin or a tablet object that has a quotation of scripture placed on it. Um, and this is often from Genesis 31:49, which is the Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another. And then that coin is severed. It's broken into two halves, or it, a jeweler will cut it into two halves as interlocking pieces, often in a sort of a lightning bolt cut, like a zigzag, so that one piece obviously fits into the other piece. Originally, these were given between fathers and sons or brothers, often on the occasion of a brother or a son going off to war or moving far away, and the idea is that one carries one half of this talisman, the father or the other brother carries the other half of the talisman, and because of this quotation from Genesis, that the Lord will watch between me and thee when we are absent from one another, they are never truly separated. Then later, this started to be given to soldiers by their lovers, their wives, their girlfriends, their fiancés, sometimes by mothers or sisters. And in fact, that for a while uh, became a standard, so much of a standard that it completely left Judaic culture, went into Germanic culture, and then grew in popularity in American German culture and bled over into hoodoo and conjure. And in Hoodoo and Conjure, I can tell you, you can go into certain people's houses and find that quotation on samplers, on little uh, knickknacks, bric-a-brac that you might have on a shelf or otherwise. In fact, this has become so popular an image in America and in American culture that now you find them no longer designed in their original Judaic coin shape, but now in the shape of dog tags. And, of course, soldiers wear dog tags. And it has the quotation inscribed on it, and then it is severed into two pieces with the understanding that one piece will be kept by the soldier and the other piece kept by their loved one. 
mother, sister, wife, sweetheart, etc. But we also see portions of the Bible, such as the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments displayed on porcelain plates, wall plaques, statuary, embroidered samplers, as I mentioned before, finished prints, and jewelry. And so we start to see things like crucifix rings, Ten Commandment charm bracelets. And if those of you don't know what a charm bracelet is, it was a bracelet and you had many, many charms on it, little individual metal charms. And a Ten Commandment charm bracelet has one charm for each of the commandments. Bible lockets, which were, you know, they're small pendants in the shape of the Bible, and they have a little clasp. You can open it up and put a picture of yourself and the one you love in, or you will often find that people put in uh, little bits of scripture in there to carry with them, again, around the throat or near the heart. And some of them even bear the Lord's Prayer on their front or their back. A fascinating one is midget Bibles. I kid you not. These are miniaturized books of scripture called midget or mini Bibles, and they're often sold for use as uh, lucky key charms or to be placed inside a mojo bag with appropriate herbs and roots and other such things to make a powerful scriptural talisman. So in other words, think about it for a moment like this. We've talked about the idea of writing out a bit of scripture and adding that into a mojo bag. But imagine now you can place the whole Bible, the whole Bible into your mojo bag. It's not very big. I mean, I'm not talking about a pocket Bible here, folks. When I say midget, tiny, I mean midget, you know, and so you can have the whole thing in there. We also see uh, the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments being stamped or onto what is known as rolled coins, primarily pennies, rolled pennies. And if, as a kid, you ever went to the carnival or the zoo, you may remember a coin roller machine. That's where you put a penny in, and then you paid some cost, a nickel, a quarter. Nowadays, probably a dollar, five dollars for all I know. And you activate the machine, and it takes your penny, and it rolls your penny out along these huge rollers, sort of like an old-fashioned washing machine, but with much greater pressure. And as it does so, it also stamps them with an image. And so at the zoo, it'll be an image of an animal. And the idea is to collect them all, right? What animal did you get? The elephant. Okay, put another penny in until you get the zebra. Put another penny in until you get the giraffe. At the carnival, often you will see that it's a clown or it's the carnival's name or something similar. Sometimes you will might be lucky enough to even find – they're a little rarer nowadays. You find ones that stamp on a zodiacal symbol, so a symbol of the zodiac, Aries, Pisces, whatever, because that's your sign and you want to carry that with you on your little rolled stamped penny. But – it was very popular for a while, and you can still find them. I have them. Hell, we gave out a whole big passel of them at the uh, 2014 Hoodoo Heritage Festival of rolled coins that have on them either the Lord's Prayer or the Ten Commandments. 
And so now you have this as a rolled coin that you can carry in your pocket with your change, and you have to consider the use of that in prosperity magic. All right? In other words, here you've got the Lord's Prayer on a coin, and it becomes a lucky coin that you carry. This is another form of biblical talisman. What's kind of odd and interesting is that around the 1920s and on, there began to be introduced into hoodoo a number of Judaic religious goods sold into hoodoo because of their supposed purity and magical uh, efficacy. And so we start seeing things out of Judaism come in like the yad. And a yad is a kind of like a, a little wand, and it normally has a hand with a pointing finger at the end of it. You find them in silver. Sometimes you find them in wood. Nowadays, I'm sure you can find them in acrylic and other polymers. And you use it to move along a line in the Torah as you're reading it so that you're not actually touching the Torah itself. And these began to be sold in hoodoo as holy wands. Uh, a shofar, which is a ceremonial horn made out of a ram's horn, uh, began being sold as a ceremonial ram's horn. A menorah, I hope you know what a menorah is, got sold as a magical candelabra. A havdalah candle, which is used at the end of Shabbos, which is many candles woven together in a weave, so they have multiple wicks, was sold as a multi-wick novelty candle. And by the 1930s, you started seeing this being sold more and more, along with everything that we have talked about here. You would find all of these things in a hoodoo catalog. You know, you go through your hoodoo catalog, and here you can order uh, Dixie John, High John the Conqueror, Black Cat Oil, incense, powders, sachet powders, etc. And then, oh, these beautiful crucifix rings. Oh, these Ten Commandment charm bangles. Oh, these Bible lockets. And the little ads would even talk about how you could play, write out scripture and put it in your little Bible locket along with a picture of your beloved to offer them safety. And you can go and find those catalogs still. They're a little difficult to find, but they're not impossible. I found them. You can find copied images of them online, certainly, but you can also find them and buy them from well, places like eBay and other auction sites. They're, again, they're not too terribly expensive. And when you open them up, I think you'll be shocked because what you're going to find is an education on culture. You're going to see books that you might not think belong in Conjurer. You would have never thought would be there, sitting alongside Dixie John, High John the Conqueror, along incenses, along oils, along sachet powders that you know that the names have continued down, that the recipes and products have continued down. You're going to find charms. You're going to find bracelets. You're going to find candles. You're going to find beautifying supplies. Hair straighteners. Oh, now what should that tell you? Let me tell you something. If you stopped everything that you were doing in hoodoo right now and spent a month studying hair straighteners and why people would want to straighten their hair and the social implications of that, believe it or not, you'd be a better hoodoo practitioner. I shit you not. So here are a few examples of 
biblical talismans that we see in hoodoo in America. We see them come out of the Bible. We see them come out of uh, Christian culture, Catholic, Protestant, and Jewish cultures. And I would like you this week to go out and look at those and consider those and think about them. And nowadays you can even find talismans of this nature that are like paperweights almost. They're little oblongs uh, primarily made out of acrylic, and they will have within them biblical tokens, crucifixes, mustard seeds, other things that are associated to certain biblical scripture, etc. And you put them on your desk or something, but it's still, it's still a talisman. As always, our information for the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery come to us each and every week from Hoodoo Bible Magic and our own knowledge. And that book is by Miss McHale and myself. And we thank Miss McHale for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen. We got rid of the rattlesnakes, but somebody left the door open, and now the whole place is full of black cats. I mean, they're just in there dancing. It's just, it's just a black cat rag in there. The midnight border, black cat caused my trail. I had a dream that night, black cat caused my trail. It must have been a doggone tall cat, for I see why I drove his tail. They tell me black cat's evil ever Tales over one foot long Tell me black cat's evil ever Tales over one foot long Boys, it must be true Cause my baby's sure done gone Robertson, 
wasn't Frederick Ferdinand. It wasn't Americo Vespucci. Unfortunately, it also wasn't Robert Johnson. It was, in fact, Willie Lane with Black Cat Rag. Thank you, Miss Catherine Ironwood. She was absolutely correct. And tonight, in the kitchen, we're going to be talking about black cats. Well, it's October, and we've had our discussion about the environment, and we've had our discussion in the past about ethics. So now, all right, kids, we're going to talk about black cats. And that means that inevitably, we must talk about the black cat bone. Okay, let's talk about the black cat bone. By now, if you're involved in hoodoo, you've probably heard about the black cat bone. If you haven't heard about the black cat bone, I, I kind of, you know, you need to go back to school. I'm sorry. You, you, you missed something. You haven't ever heard tell of it? Uh, you missed something. There is this belief that there is a bone, one bone, inside a black cat somewhere that does a number of things. It can supposedly grant the owner invisibility. Now, let me be clear about that. From all that I have heard, talked, learned, read, sought, I believe that that invisibility is a kind of being ignored. It doesn't mean you're the invisible man, H.G. Wells. It means that people just don't see you. They won't pay attention to you. You are obfuscated, as it were, although there is a warning that your shadow can often be seen. Also, supposedly the black cat bone can help bring back a lost love, and it's seen as being very potent and powerful in a number of different ways. Now, there's a problem with this. The problem is that supposedly to get this black cat bone, you have to take a black cat and throw this cat alive into a cauldron of boiling water at midnight in a variety of places. Some people say you do it at a crossroads. Some people say you do it at a graveyard. Some people say you do it even in a lonely spot. And, of course, the cat dies horribly. I mean horribly, okay? I mean you're throwing a live cat into a pot of boiling water, which one would assume has a lid. Otherwise, you're going to have a very pissed-off, scalded cat who hopefully is going to claw the shit out of you. And because of this, people have – I'm going to be honest with you. People have done this. People have gone and gotten black cats and done this, okay? People have gone to fucking animal shelters, okay? And that's the reason animal shelters are very kind of suspicious about people who just want to adopt black cats. Oh, no, I don't want to. I just want a black cat. They kind of get you a little bit of a hassle, and rightly so. Now, after the cat's killed, you have to locate the bone. And how you do that is there's a lot of different ways. Uh, some people say you use a mirror. Some people say you have to put the bone under your tongue and it tastes bitter. I can't imagine how it's going to taste good. Some say you throw it into a stream and, you know, the the bone that you're looking for will go you know, against the force of the stream, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then once you've got your black cat bone, you carry it in a mojo bag and you dress it with Van Van oil. 
again, to be invisible or to bring back a lost love. Now, if anybody happens to be confused right now and think that I am suggesting that you go get a poor little helpless black cat and throw it into a pot of boiling water, you're fucking crazy. That's horrid. Are you? And I'm not a squeamish fellow, okay? You know what I'm saying? I grew up in the country. We slaughtered animals for food. I, I have had to personally kill pets that were injured, you know, all of that. You know, we, we just couldn't give them any aid. You know, it, we, just, we had to put them out of their misery. And there was no veterinarian to take them to that would have dealt with it, okay? I am not saying, hey, kids, go, let's go kill a black cat. Now, therefore, you might be saying to me, well, why the hell even bring it up? Well, I bring it up for two reasons. First of all, because it's there. It's a part. And I have told you and I have said and I stand by the idea that we're not here to malform hoodoo. We're not here to tell a bunch of lies. Okay? I'm not here to say, black cat bone, why, no, no, no. Why, the black cat bone had never existed and no one ever did that and there's no tradition of that. And by the way, you can't get opium from California poppies. I'm not here to tell fucking lies. This happened. This is a part of the tradition. It exists. That's the first reason. The second reason, and there are a few, the second reason is to tell you that there are people who will tell you and sell you, quote, black cat bones that ain't fucking black cat bones. They're chicken bones. They're this bone. They're that bone. They get a bone, and they paint it with black paint. I ain't kidding. Okay? In the old days, shoe shine, And they sell you this. Here you go. They're shysters and they're con men, so I'm warning you, okay? I'm telling you, uh-uh, no. That's reason two. Reason three is I am here to tell you a fact from my own experience, and that is rare on this show. I try, in general, to shy away from things like that. I try to tell you about the fullness of things, the history of things, and the understanding of things I have received from many different people, elders, and others. But I'm here to tell you something right now, and this, this is you're getting this from the horse's mouth, okay? I have used black cat bones taken from black cats who died natural deaths, who had to be put to sleep and disposed of, who were killed as roadkill, that were gathered on the side of the road because the poor thing got hit by a car, and I have taken them and cleaned them and used them along with the old ways, Van Van, etc., and I have found them to be incredibly potent. I have made oil with them. I have placed them into mojo bags. I have one in my pendulum. They work for me. They work for my clients. So the third reason here is to tell you that you don't necessarily need to go torture, and I mean torture, a cat, a hapless cat, 
to fucking death, sorry, there's that word, in a cauldron of boiling water. Instead, get you a cat who has died of natural causes, that is being disposed of because its body, its heart, it's had to be put to sleep because it's been hit by a car, and then go ritually prepare that body. I'm not saying any old black cat bone does, no matter what, you just get it and it's fine. No, you still have to do your work. You still have to clean that body. You still have to gather those bones. You still have to anoint those bones. You still have to engage in prayer. You still have to work the bone, okay, in all the ways you can work the bone. But I'm telling you that that is still, in my experience and the experience of those who have paid me, Good damn money. Because listen, there's so many, only so many black cat bones you can get that way. Greatly. Now you might not now be saying, "Oh, you making up, son of a bitch! You've lied to us for almost 52 weeks. You've told us this and that. Now all of a sudden you want to change it up just because you don't want a little pussy cat boiled to death? Well, fuck a cat. No, fuck you. I am telling you that this animal's bones still has power and potency. Did it turn you invisible? No, it didn't turn me fucking invisible. Are you kidding? But it still has work. So if you want a black cat bone, my suggestion to you is do the damn work. Don't go torture some helpless animal. Find a black cat that's been hit by a car. Find a black cat that has died of natural causes. Now, you may think I'm a cold-hearted bastard, I have a black cat. I love her. She is my just, I adore her. She and I hang out all the time. I absolutely adore her. And I have always spoken to this black cat, her name is Jinx, to say, when you pass, I hope you'll allow me to use your bones. And so long as I don't get a feeling that, no, I shouldn't do that, when she dies, I'm going to mourn her, I'm going to let her pass with reverence, and I am going to collect her bones. You might think that's ghoulish. I'm sorry. I don't. And she's my friend. But I'm not going to throw her into a pot of boiling water. And if you try and throw my cat into a pot of boiling water, I'll throw you into a pot of boiling water. And if you throw cats into pots of boiling water... I don't want to know your name. Stay away from me. But this needed to be discussed. Because if it wasn't, you're just out there wandering around. You don't even know. Now, wait. That's not all we're going to say about black cats. We're also going to talk about black cat hair. Now, black cat hair can be gathered, if you have a black cat, without harming the cat. First of all, I have a black cat, I have a black long-haired cat, and I got so much goddamn black cat hair, I wish I didn't have it. Okay? She just leaves it as a gift, primarily over anything I own that's white. Okay? Like, oh, that's a nice uh, that's a nice cream-colored vest you got there, Professor. Here, let me put black cat hair over it. So you can get black cat hair without harming a black cat. And spells employing black cat hair fall into two kind of broad general types. Those that are lucky for gambling and those that are intended to break up a relationship. 
Now, you might say, lucky for gambling? Wait a minute, that makes no sense. You must understand that in gambling, gamblers often use the unlucky token to bring them luck. Black cats, skulls, etc. Seeing the number 13, things that are seen inauspicious, they're, they're using the unluck lucky of it. So for gambling luck as an example, you can take black cat hair and you can mix it with patchouli, which we've talked about on the show, and tobacco in a mojo bag or added with them to black cat oil. And you know people will also use black cat oil to anoint a black cat tail up candle. That's a black cat candle that the cat has its tail up, which they burn. Uh, while dressing the money that they're going to use to primarily buy like lottery tickets. You can also use black cat hair to break up a couple. Black dog hair, nine nails, nine needles, nine pins, and the hairs of other personal concerns of the couple. So we've got black cat hair, black dog hair, nine needles, nine nails, nine pins, and the hairs of the people you want to break up. And all of this is put into a bottle, and it's meant to cause the lovers or spouses to quarrel and to separate. And the prepared bottle is placed beneath the couple's doorstep or where they must step over it. And then you can burn black cat hair and black dog hair with sulfur and red pepper together to also help break people up if you need to break them up. Now, the final thing I want to say about this is about the cat itself. People go, but the black cat is unlucky. You must remember that there is a very old belief that the black cat gathers luck for its owner. Why is the black cat unlucky? Well, this belief says that the black cat is, un is unlucky for you because you don't know that cat. It's not your cat. And the black cat catches luck with its claws, with its little teeth. It pounces on luck, and it brings that luck back to its owner. So you can then see this idea that the black cat could aid its owner, as well as its hair could aid in gambling, because they're out hunting up luck. They go out at night, and they hunt up luck. So that's been a little bit, and I hope you understand what we had to say about it, and I hope you understand why we did talk about it, and I hope that you will use that information in a responsible and humane manner. Also, I should mention to you that any time you're going to burn sulfur, as Troll Talhead points out, please don't do that indoors or in an enclosed space. Uh, you might be fumigating your house with sulfur, but then you're still going to have all your windows open and you're going to get the fuck out of there uh, while that's going on. Our In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from our own knowledge as well as Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her so very much for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, we've had a hell of a time. We've talked about politics, we've talked about biblical talismans, and we talked about our friend, the black cat. 
I hope that you will spend a little time this week uh, studying up and looking at different kinds of biblical talismans and maybe find yourself one you like. I hope this week that you'll go out and adopt and love and care for and treat well a lovely black cat who could use a home. This is a very dangerous time of year for them, this October and around Halloween, because there are a lot of weird old whack to harm them, kill them, or boil them. And so I hope that you'll kind of take a week to look out for the little black cats in the world. Uh, hey, you know, if you kill enough of them, pretty soon there won't be any. We talked about that, didn't we? I'd like to stay here, uh, but uh, there's been this smell growing uh, from the lounge, and I'm pretty sure it's the smell of chocolate and cherries. So uh, unless I am very much wrong, Count Goulash has gotten Miss Loretta to start her crockpot cake in the employee's lounge, and I'm going to go over there and see if I can get some before it's all gone. I mean, they'll eat it all. Johnny would eat a whole cake by himself. I mean, it'll, it'll just be gone. There'll be, there'll, there'll be nothing. I mean, I'll, I'll go in there and it'll just be the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.